All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Presented by Botano. The game starts now. Here are your hosts, Brent Wallace, Jason York, and Bobby Ryan. Hello, everybody. Once again, I'm Brent Wallace alongside the smartest man in hockey, uh, Jason York. Yorkie, we're going to get to your bingo calling in a bit because I want to do it with our guest today, Randy Robitaille, because I want to get to what he thinks of you being a bingo caller at this point in your career. Like now, from now on, I'm just going to call you J33 like it's a bingo number. Under the J? Well, there's there's uh, there's no J on the bingo board, wall. I know. There's Under no the G. I... Under the G33. Do you, do you have the board memorized? <laughs> We we finished off with around the square too. That that man, uh, it's a good day. It's a good okay, day. I promise we're getting to it. I I don't know what <laughs> I, I don't know what Randy's going to think of this, but I promise we're going to get to it. Uh, Randy Robitaille, by the way, a former Ottawa Senator, Ottawa native, and now uh, one of the he's got a, a stable of great uh, up and coming players in the National Hockey, including Jack Quinn, Brand Clark, Gra- uh, Graham Clark, his brother, among others. And so we will uh, talk to him about the draft and what happens this week uh, as that. Uh, gets set for uh, the 28th coming up here. Okay, Yorkie. Um, let's just get right to it. I don't want to hold them up because i got a ton of stuff to ask them. Yeah, let's go. So, let's go. Uh, as always, our show proudly presented by Botano. Go to botano.ca, download the award-winning app, and get in on all the action. It is uh, Canada's leading sports betting app. It is uh, same-game parlays, online live betting, bet builder. Uh, you can do it all. Hundreds of betting options, of course. 
Uh, also, live in-game betting and the most competitive odds in the market. The faster, most user-friendly, and an advanced betting app for your mobile or tablet. But Tano, the game starts now. Oh, and Renfrew Pro, the original hockey tape. They've been with us since day one. As Bobby likes to say, it's hand terrible. Not that it makes your hands bad. You can tear it easily with your hands. Moisture you resistance. saying that? Well, it is. Okay, hey, listen, many just, people have said that. Many people. Just, you know it. You know it. Listen, it helps with your puck control. It's in every single pro locker room on the road and at home. Available at all major retailers. You can look them up at RenfrewPro.com. Uh, don't forget it's the one with the green core. Give them a follow at Renfrew Pro. Don't forget to tag your teammates. You got unlimited entries to do that and share your story, uh, and you'll get 10 bonus entries. Uh, for 35 years, BEI, Bonisher Excavating Inc., has built a reputation on providing great service and unmatched quality of work. And now the BEI team putting forth the same commitment to building your new home in the Ren subdivision, a project just an hour west of Canada. Uh, built by BEI Homes. Enjoy the vibrant small town atmosphere and all the modern conveniences. Walking distance to the beachfront or a bingo hall will soon be added by Jason York. A detached home, 70-foot frontage with water and sewer. Uh, there's also semi-detached homes and plenty of affordable options. Uh, many floor plans and options to choose from. Prices starting low as $500,000. Just check them out at bonisherhomes.com. Okay. Um, without further ado, uh, Randy Robitaille, who played uh, over 500 mm -hmm. games in the National Hockey League, also played in Europe. We'll get to all the places he has actually been in. Uh, and now a player agent with Edge Sports Management. Uh, Randy, welcome to the show, my friend. Almost to the game tonight. <laughs> Just that Blanking one around the yeah, yeah. What was that? Here's a giveaway. Robitaille moving in. He shot. Scores! Wow. Robitaille goes high. Goes to the point. Desiree Swister scores! Puck is redirected by Robitaille. It's a one-goal game. I said earlier that the Senators were having trouble getting to go on the power play and they changed it up, and that's exactly what Spud Paddock did. I forgot we had the video. Sir, how are you? <laughs> I'm well. How are you guys? I'm good. Hey, Ro Roby, those hands aren't terrible, eh? Not too bad. A couple little snipes there. A couple of snipes, yeah. I can't remember uh, in the era that we played, York, there's not much, there's not much footage, right? So I'm surprised you guys found some. It was good to see. We, we had to get a change to color. That's what happened. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. I didn't Thanks know. About, on, guys. Are you still fighting Sergey Berzin? Like that seemed to be going on for a while. <laughs> I don't know what was going on that year. I actually got in a couple of fights. I think I got one in my entire NHL career. Uh, and that was actually the last year I played. Um, our coach was Andre Nazarov in, uh, in that year. So maybe that had something to do with it. <laughs> what did you say? Okay. How does a fight with Sir? How does a fight with Sergey Berzin start? Like, who's starting that? Uh, I'm not starting too much, Yorkie. You know that. Uh, I don't know. We were losing in the game. The coach was on us. Uh, it was just one of those moments. I was digging away at a, at a rebound and a puck and took a slash, gave a slash, and then you know how things Here. start. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, uh, this is how quickly the show goes off the rails. But funny, I was going to bring up the fight uh, later in the show. You had one NHL fight. Um, with Denny Goche, you were a member of Calgary, or sorry, you were a member of LA against uh, Denny Goche in Calgary. You got 5'10 and a two minute instigator. What happened? I was uh, in the wrong place at the wrong time, to be honest with you. Uh, I think my line mates that game were, uh, well, one of them I think was with Joseph Stumple and, and Ziggy Palfi. Uh, and 
Goche hit Palfi up pretty high, uh, and Ziggy was lying on the ice like he was not moving, like he was dead. And I happened to be the closest. I happened to be the closest guy, so uh, <laughs> yeah. um, I, hey. it's, it's kind of like I had no choice. Um, so thank God it was more of a wrestling match than anything, and he kind of threw me down. It was over quick, but uh, that was actually yeah, two two five and a ten. I already had a couple of goals in the game and an assist, so yes. uh, I got a I got a Gordie hat trick to my name, boy. So that's, uh, I love I'll it. Take, uh, yeah, yeah. one I'll take, and uh, I let my boys know every every couple of years. Hey, not too many guys have a Gordie Howe, but I'd love to see that. Look, hey, you see something like that happen first instinct? All right, who else is on the ice right now? Oh, shit, I guess it's me. Yeah. <laughs> the, fu- the, fu- the funny part about that game is uh, we played Edmonton the next night, and uh, Steve Stales was just trying to run me the whole time, and I remember there was a face-off right by our bench, and our and the boys were on our team were kind of chirping. Steve said, like, Go on, he'll, he's gonna go. Yeah, like don't worry. Like, you know, and like, so, anyways, yeah, one, one fight in the National Hockey League, a couple in the KHL, but uh, that was it. Oh, That's great. classic. Uh, Denny Goche, by the way, listed at six foot three, two hundred and twenty-four mm. pounds. The chainsaw. Um, they called him the chainsaw, didn't they? He used to come across and make the big open ice hits on everybody. Goche. He, he had some he had some terrible hits. He, I actually roomed with him. I ended up by rooming with him when I played for the Flyers uh, a couple of years later. Um, and then, ironically enough, I got I became friends with him. Uh, we talked about the the incident, whatever. We had a good laugh. Uh, I got traded to the Islanders, and I remember one of the first games we played in Philly. I got caught in a bad position, and I was puck watching, and I was trying to hit. A, I was trying to pass to a guy in front of the net. And he just came from behind and he bear hugged me. But if he was like, I, I, I felt like if I didn't know him or I didn't have a bit of a relationship with me, he would have just buried me from behind. So I thanked him after the game and he just kind of gave me a chuckle. And he's like, that's what buddies are for. I'm like, oh, I lo- yeah, I'm like, did you see your highlight, highlight tape? Like, you don't have a lot of buddies in this league. So I really appreciate that. <laughs> that's pretty good. Um, the only other one, so since we're on penalties and then I'll move on, uh, is in – Buffalo, Philly. Uh, it's November the 11th, 2006. In overtime, Daniel Briere scores the winner. You and Simone Gagne both got 10-minute misconducts. Um, I'm going to guess you said something to the official. Uh, okay, so I'm trying to remember the game. Yeah, we, uh, we got a too many men on the ice penalty uh, in overtime to put us down four on three. It was just a, our opinion was just a horrible call. Oh, wait, I, you're I, the I, penalty. <laughs> you, oh, you served the penalty. I served the penalty. I was going on the ice. I think Peter Nedved was, uh, was <laughs> casually coming to the bench while they were going on an odd man rush. So I might have jumped on early. Uh, anyways, they, we got a penalty in overtime. Uh, I had just came back from injury. So I think uh, the bench was pissed off. I was pissed off. So I didn't even know I got a 10 minute misconduct. So thanks for bringing it up. I don't, I don't, I just remember the game. I remember kind of what happened, but uh, it was a too many men on the, uh, too many men on the ice penalty late or in overtime. And uh, yeah, that's how it started. So the guys, the guys were pissed off. <laughs> the only reason I brought it up was uh, those are the only two games in the national hockey league where you have more than four minutes in penalties. So I, I wanted to figure out what was going on. Um, speaking of which that's, that year, Ken Hitchcock was your coach. In fact, you ended up with four head coaches on that roster. Uh, John Stevens, Terry Murray, and uh, Craig Berube, all coaches. Uh, um, 
Hitch is going into the Hall of Fame and just announced yesterday. What are your thoughts on him as your head coach? He was replaced partway through that year, or uh, he replaced uh, Stevens? Uh, yeah. Um, no, Stevens replaced uh, Ken Hitchcock. Hitch. I think he was six, six or seven games in. To be honest with you, we didn't have a, we didn't have a good training camp. Uh, we didn't have a good start to the season. I mean, we had Yorkie, we had you know Gary Hatcher and. Uh, Mike Ratchy and we, we had some, some some old school guys. Peter Nedbed was on that team. Uh, Jake Sanderson's dad, Jeff Sanderson, was Jeff. there. Um, so Hitch wasn't around uh, very long, to say the least. We I think we uh, yeah six or seven games in wasn't a good start. Uh, they gassed them. I think we were in Tampa when they did. Uh, I remember sitting in the lobby with Jeff Sanderson, and Jeff was looking around, going, "Roby, we got to get out of the lobby here." If, if we're seen, we're going to get sent down, or you know, because they were just looking to make any kind of moves possible. Oh, on my back. You just froze for a second. Um, okay, sorry. Um, nope. All yeah, good. So I, I, I didn't. Uh, uh, I wasn't under hitch hitch for very long. Like I said, John Stevens came in and replaced him. Craig 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 Barube was uh, was our assistant. Um, and then I was only there until about Christmas time. And then I got shipped off to the New York Islanders. Um, but Hitch, uh, the, the old boys uh, from Hitch the year before in Philly had some stories about Hitch for sure. Uh, Hitch loved the bagels. Hitch loved the power bars. Um, I know Ronick had said that uh, he had told Hitchcock uh, one of the times because he used to come in in the morning and grab some bagels and grab a bunch of power bars. And uh, Ronick would mention to him, like, those power bars are like snacks. They're not actually like uh meals for you to have like throughout the day like those are three three to four hundred calories each you know so they had a good laugh but um, uh, roby did yeah. you uh roby did you ever hear the story when hitch was in dallas and they had an older team there they had mike keen brett hall and it was one day before practice mike keen dressed up like hitchcock and went out and ran the first part of practice because hitch always came on the ice late and Keen dressed up, and he and he put he put like a pillow in to make himself a little chubbier. He put the tracksuit on. He went out. And he was talking like Hitch, yelling like Hitch. And the Hitchcock comes on the ice, and he sees Mike Keen dressed up as him. But man, the guys used to like. He used to really give it to guys though. Like like I I heard like on the bench like it was he, there was no uh, there, there was no mute button with that guy. <laughs> Yeah, no, like, like I said, he, he was only there for a short, short, a short time when I was there. So I didn't really get to experience the full Hitchcock. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and we weren't very good. Um, but I, I, I could, def I could definitely see that for sure. Uh, so I want to go over if I've got them all listed properly, the places you've played, uh, which includes some AHL and some Europe. So let's go. Um, Providence, Rhode Island, you won a Calder Cup, and you were also league MVP in one of those seasons, 102 points in 74 games. Boston, Nashville, Milwaukee, Manchester, New Hampshire, L.A., New York, Pittsburgh, Atlanta. Actually, twice. You got traded there but never played, and then you signed there in 0304. Minnesota, Philadelphia, San Antonio. Uh, just one sec. I'm almost done. Zurich, during the lockout, you were a league MVP, and then uh, beat out uh, Joe Thornton and Nick uh, Rick Nash among those guys, a uh, top scorer and league MVP, Logano, uh, Yaroslavl, Ottawa. And then I don't know if I can pronounce the next one, but it's in Siberia. And then uh, Donetsk, Ukraine. Wow. Um, can you sum up your career and what that's like? I don't know. I 
that's got it's it's got to be cool in one sense to see and experience all these different places. Uh, is it unsettling to never know where you're going to be? Uh, it, it definitely is. I mean, that was a big part uh, of making the decision to go over to Europe after I played with the Sens. I had experienced uh, Switzerland in the 04-05 lockout. Uh, got a chance to play in Zurich. Um, they treated me. I mean, Yorkie played there. He can also, uh, yep. you know, confirm how uh, how good of a spot it is. Um, but no, I mean, signing with the Bruins as a free agent, uh, non-drafted out of college. Uh, you know, you never really think you're going to be in as many places as you end up as you end up. And obviously, would would have loved to have been in one one spot for uh, for the length of my career, but it just didn't work out that way. Uh, started in Boston and tried to work my way up through the minors, as you mentioned, um, was fortunate enough to win a Calder cup in Providence, um, early in my career, which was, uh, which was fantastic. That sort of year sort of springboarded me into, uh, my, my NHL career. Um, you know, uh, I know you mentioned I got, I was with Atlanta Thrashers twice. That's kind of how I got into the NHL with Nashville is that apparently in the expansion draft, uh, the Bruins protected me, uh, but then made a side deal with Nashville not to take a goalie. I think the goalie at the time was Rob Tallis. So they had taken another player with with the um, with the pick, but then you know had a, had an arrangement to to trade trade for me after after the draft. So that's why I ended up in Atlanta. Uh, never signed with them and got traded to Nashville for Danny Lambert, who was a former uh, former Sen. So that's how I started. Uh, started my career at Nashville. I know Yorkie played there. I think we wore the same number. Yorkie, you were twenty-seven in Nashville. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. the old two-seven. Okay. Okay. Hey, how good? How good is Nashville, though? I know we've talked about it before, but for people listening, would it's fair to say one of your favorite spots? Absolutely, my favorite. My favorite spot. Uh, I was there in ninety-nine to one, so they were second and third year in existence. Um, I don't know if you've been back there at all, York. Have you been back there since you played at all? Yeah, they had an alumni event, and they broadcasted a few games there. It's just, okay. it's just such the people, eh? The people, the place, the friendliness, and and Barry Trotz. Like, what's what's his secret, Roby? Like, why do you think he has so much success? Oh wow, that's. Uh, I mean, what like like I mean, you you just hit the hit the nail there. What what a great individual. What a, what a great person. What a great uh, first impression for me stepping into the National Hockey League, having a guy like Barry Trotz. I went from having Pat Burns in Boston, who I couldn't look at, who you couldn't talk to, who you just felt like you couldn't do anything right for. You know, being a young guy, where coming into a locker room like Nashville with a guy like Barry Trotz, who was who was starting his NHL coaching career as well at that same time. So. Um, I thought his, him and his staff were, were tremendous. I spent two years there and have, have nothing but great things to say about Barry, about the organization, and uh, what a spot now. Uh, I, I had the opportunity to go back about five or six years ago uh, with my boys who were playing in a tournament there, and I didn't recognize the place, Yorkie, like the downtown yeah. area and the expansion of uh, just the infrastructure and the Music City Hall of Fame um, and just the buzz in the rink and uh, just what an, an incredible franchise. Uh, I would, um, you know, if any of my clients today were to be uh, selected by Nashville or, or, or be playing in uh, for the Predators, like that would be uh, that would that would be an amazing experience for them. Absolutely. I, I was just gonna say, are you sucking up to Barry Trotz right now because you're <laughs> he's now the GM in Nashville? Yeah. Hey, gotta do, do, you gotta do that do. works. 
Yeah. You know that works, guys. I, I I tell my I tell a lot of people now like the bad news is I played on a lot of teams in the NHL, but the good news is I played on a lot of teams in the NHL, which gives me a lot of good connections and a lot of uh, uh, built up relationships over the years. So, I mean, you see you see a lot of players, Yorkie and uh, guys that we played with uh, throughout our careers that are now, you know, in the NHL in executive roles, management roles, scouting roles, coaches. Um, it definitely makes my job today. Uh, quite a bit easier. Like you just tweeted about Bill Armstrong, if I'm not mistaken, a guy, another guy you're trying to obviously suck up to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bill, Bill and I played together. We want to call the cup together in, in Providence. Oh. He was uh, one of our one of our captains, one of our leaders. He was actually, uh, I believe, the year we won it. Uh, he was he player uh, coach. Player, player coach. Yeah, he was actually yeah. on the bench. One. one <clears throat> First year in Providence, guys. Oh, did I lose you? My yes, first year in Providence. Yeah, my first year in Providence, guys. We were the worst team in pro hockey. That was my first full pro pro year. We had Tom McVie as a head coach. Uh, we had lots of good players, good young players in Providence, but just uh, just too young to, to win. Peter Laviolette came in the, uh, the following year. We made a couple of trades, brought in some older AHL veterans, um, and had a good run. Um, and that was the year we won the Calder Cup, and that was Peter Laviolette and Bill Armstrong on the bench. Do you guys know what? Do you, do you do you guys know what Bill Armstrong's most famous moment in his career is? A little trivia for you. Oh boy, I always worry when Yorkie comes up with these ones. I'm involved in this because, yes, I'm involved in this because that fucker he he took my memorial he took my memorial cup ring. We were in the we were playing. I was in Kitchener. We were playing Oshawa double overtime. Freddie Brathwaite, local guy, was playing nets for Oshawa. Armstrong's at the point, sends a floating wrister towards the net. Our D-man, John Uniac, never do this, kids at home. Use your glove, not your stick. Goes to bat it down with a stick, off the stick, in the net. Bill Armstrong, double overtime, Memorial Cup game-winning goal. Best, that was the best. It was all downhill after there for Bill. <laughs> and that, that wasn't a muffin he threw on net there. That was a rocket for him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just scratching yeah. Bill Armstrong off our guest list right now. Um, oh, come on. Exactly. <laughs> you had Rod Langway as an assistant coach on that team. You went 1949-7-5. Andre Waugh played on that team uh, for Sens fans. Um, what's Rod Langway like as a coach? Oh, Roby went silent. <laughs> He's <laughs> Can you see me now? Yeah, there we go. Um, what's Rod Langway like as a coach? Uh, he was he was uh, he was really good. His job was to to take care of the D that year. Obviously, uh, Tom McVie was our head coach. Um, as you mentioned, our record was wasn't very good. Uh, we were the worst team in pro hockey. All of a sudden, at about January, uh, Rod started having his equipment on during practice. And we thought that was kind of funny. He never said anything. And we were just like, oh, okay, maybe he just was trying to get himself back in shape. We weren't really sure. And then it was uh, about a week or two into practice. And we started to hear that he was going to actually come play for us uh, and help <laughs> us. So I didn't know what to think at the time. I mean, he was – how old would he have been at that time, I guess? I don't even know. Would you guys know? That would have been in 98, probably, 98, 99. Probably late, so late 30s. He's 66 right now, so probably around, yeah, 
almost maybe 40? 40 in his early 40s, something like that. Anyway, he kept, kept himself in, in decent shape. But, uh, yeah, I got to play with Rod Langway. He, he suited up for uh, – <laughs> I want to say he played for two two weekends. And the story is, guys, I'll be honest with you, we had uh, back-to-back uh, against Springfield. And Danny Breer, uh, I think, was the one that um, – uh, decided to put Rod back into retirement for, for the final time. He there was a, a couple odd man rushes uh, inside, outside, get the feet crossed over for Rod, uh, down to some breakaways. Um, it was, it was a tough weekend for Rod. So that was, that, 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 that was the end of it, but I'll give you a funny story with Rod cause he was our assistant coach. And then when he came back to play, it was, it was like, he wasn't the assistant coach anymore. So, we got in on uh, we got in real late um, uh, from a road trip, and you know Yorkie when you play in the minors, you go to the rink, you gotta unpack your bag or you unpack yep. the bus, and you know there's there's a process there, right? So Ropey, <laughs> guys were trying to get out of the rink really quick. And Rod was a player now, and our coach was just trying to do some uh, do some video on the board and talk about our weekend. And Rod was in the background while the coach had his back and he's going to the guys like, "Can our coach like hurry up? Like we're trying to get out of here." And so we all had a good laugh because that was supposed to be our assistant coach, and he's supposed to be setting an example. And all he wanted to do was get out of there and head to the bar, right? So, yeah, he wanted to go have beers. I heard he loved oh, his beers. Absolutely. Oh, he liked his beers. Definitely liked his beers. Yeah, but he, he was he was a good man. Definitely a good man. Oh, that's awesome. Um, okay, so I'm going to have to skip a bunch. However, I want to get to playing in Russia um, and what that's like before we get to how you got to Ottawa. But you played, like, at the end of your career, uh, Nova Kuznetsk something? Okay. Uh, that's in Siberia. And so you played two seasons there. Um, what was that like for you? That was uh, definitely a different different experience. Um, I was trying to come back to North America. It just nothing really made sense. Um, just thought it was the right time to, to make a move and head over to the KHL. Uh, it's funny. I, I arrived in September, uh, I think September 5th, um, and the Russian agent that I had at the time had flew over with me to help get me settled and get into my apartment and set up my bank account and all that kind of stuff. So he was staying with me for, uh, I think four or five days. Uh, the second day that I was there was, was the news of the, uh, the plane crash in Yaroslav. Uh, so that was like, wow, I just got here. I'm just, you know, just starting, uh, off in the KHL. And that was the news w- w- with, uh, with the plane crash. So that first week guys was like, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know if I was going to stay, if I was going to come home, uh, but decided to stay and just settled then. I, they treated I me with a lot of respect. I was going to say, I, and I, I know my feet cutting out there. That's okay. Um, as long as it's okay when you're talking to like Danny Briere and Bill Armstrong and all the GMs, you're good. Um, yeah. You, I think, are fourth – you remain like the fourth leading scorer for Yaroslavl uh, or for for the team in Siberia. I'm not even going to try to. <laughs> You're not even um, going to go there. <laughs> uh, like you did have, I guess, some success personally, but 
was it is it tough to kind of and i know you've been in zurich and stuff before but was it tough to kind of be in russia playing it, it's definitely tough at first there's no question it's a huge culture shock and things yeah. are just done differently there you know um in Novoskuznetsk, it's a big city. I think the population is a million people. But in two, in a year and a half that I was there, I don't think I didn't see outside of a, maybe a mile radius of my apartment, the rink, and a, and a couple of restaurants. You know, uh, the toughest time. And I got I got guys that are looking to go over the KHL now, and they'll even guys they don't represent that will call me and ask my opinion. And uh, and I tell them I tell this to everybody. I said if you can get through the first month or month and a half uh you'll be fine you know once the season starts and you get into the the routine of practices and games and there's there's tons of travel guys as you know i mean we had uh we had nine hour flights to play one game traveling seven time zones uh so uh sleeping pills were your friend you know what i mean (laughs) to be honest with you just to to get through those flights we would stay uh we would stay on our own local time zone so picture that we'd be getting into just, just because we weren't in, we weren't in the new city long enough to, you know, change the clock seven, eight hours. So we would stay on our own local time zone. Um, so we'd be eating pregame meals at two, three in the morning. We'd be, you know, napping at different times and literally go in and play one, one game and get out of there uh, and then back on to the next city. So very uh, long, lots of travel, um, uh, a really good league, really competitive league. Um, I, like I said, I have, they, they treated me well. Uh, I have really nothing but good things to say in, in the two spots that I was, uh, over in the KHL. Yeah. And Roby and Roby played well when he was over there. So for certain guys that would go over there and not, and not play well, Roby, maybe, maybe it wouldn't have gone as well back then. eh? like, so I heard some stories and I know it's changed a lot there now, but man, I remember talking, you remember Jamie Heward? Jamie Heward, yeah. When he I went, remember Jamie Heward. Like, I heard when he went over, and, the, and we're going back to, like, late 2000s, I heard every time he'd go on a road trip, he'd come back, and his apartment would just be ransacked. So the guys on the team said, just leave a couple bucks on your bed, and, and they'll take care of it. So he started leaving money. Not only did he come back and find his apartment was not broken into, they cleaned it for him. So he... <laughs> He was playing in the oh, what's the uh, what's the capital of the nice city there in Russia? The uh, the beautiful old architecture. Um, not Leningrad, but uh, not Leningrad. Saint Petersburg. Yeah. Saint, Saint he Petersburg. was playing in Saint. He was Saint and that was Saint Petersburg, and that's a nice city. But uh, you always got but you always got paid on time, though, eh, Roby? When you were playing, uh, I always got paid. I wasn't always on time. So no, it's not. It's not like the NHL where it's you know set on the first and the fifteenth. It's uh, they say they're going to pay you once a month. Uh, they were usually late, to be honest with you. Um, and it was funny because you talk to the other imports and they're and they're like trying to come up with a plan of to how do we get our money and you know I'm going to leave if I don't get our money and I'm like I'm, I always told them I'm like well if you leave you're definitely not getting your money so why would you do that. <laughs> You know, so uh, it was always a little bit late, but uh, the story of guys when they go on the road, like I heard that as well. Uh, a lot of teams pay their bo- uh, pay your uh, pay the bonuses in cash, right? So they give you your cash as bonuses, and then surprisingly, it's the day before you go on a road trip. So what are you going to do with all this cash? You know, you leave it in your apartment. So I think that's how the stories uh, the story started, uh, but uh, never never an issue uh, with me. So again, yeah, I, I was yeah, lucky. Yeah, yeah. nice. As an agent, would you uh, suggest going to Russia right now to play if you're 
Canadian or American? I would probably look to exhaust all other options uh, at the beginning, uh, to be honest with you. Um, but again, it depends on the player. It depends on where they're at in their life. Um, you know, uh, do they have a family? Do they not? What are they, what are they trying to do? What's their age? Uh, I mean, outside of the NHL, the KHL is still one of the higher paying leagues, right? So uh, guys that go over there, uh, that is a big reason why they go over there. So um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, tell uh, a client not to go there, uh, but we would definitely look at all options to see what's available before making that decision. Uh, and lastly, before we get to Ottawa, you played in Donetsk, Ukraine. Uh, is it tough for you? Like, I, I think you spent, well, at least one season there, if not a bit more, uh, maybe two, uh, of, I guess, watching what's happened, uh, knowing that you've lived there. Uh, I was there for a year and a half. Uh, I got traded there my second year in the KHL from Novoskuznetsk. Um, that that second half of the year was a great experience. Uh, I re-signed for the next year. Uh, we actually had a really good team. Uh, that was the year, my last year that I played, was actually the year that Russia started to slowly creep into Crimea. Um, there was a lot of pol political issues going on there at that time. Uh, it actually dropped the local... Um, the local currency, the uh, the Haribo, that's called. Sorry, guys, I know I keep cutting out here. Um, okay. um, uh, so, yeah, to see what's going on there now is crazy. Uh, we actually, that year, guys, we played our home games at the end of the year in Slovakia because oh. of oh. all the things that were going on. Yeah, so our last... Uh, our playoff series uh, that year, we played in Slovakia and Branislava because our rink was vandalized. Uh, the downtown core of Donetsk was uh, was under a bit of pressure. Banks were closed. Uh, so there was, there was uh, quite a bit of stress there. So as soon as the season was over, uh, as you can imagine, I was uh, I was <laughs> over there. <laughs> see you later. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, see you later. Yeah. So um, I was uh, I would have I resigned there for another year. I was 37. I would have been 38 in October. I so, sorry guys <laughs> um but yeah I, I i was hoping to play another year to be honest with you uh, ah. if it wasn't for all that yeah so, I, but I, told, uh, I told i told yeah. yorkie not to not to share his dial-up internet with you but that's uh ah, mine's good now listen okay so sorry, guys. no I, I want you to how did you get from Russia to Ottawa, you played the 07-08 season. Uh, you got claimed off. It was off of waivers, I think. That's how it ended up happening. Did you right? You were brought into Ottawa through through the waivers. Uh, yeah. So, a quick story. I, I tried to actually sign with the Sens uh, that summer uh, after I played with the Islanders. Uh, the backstory and actually how I got to Russia is I was playing with Alexei Yashin in in New York. Uh, Alexei's. Uh, I don't know if you know this, Yorkie. Alexi's uh, agent was Mark Gandler. Yep. Oh. I don't know if you remember. We know Mark, in Ottawa. You know Mark Gandler. So it's funny. I was we were I was playing for the New York Islanders. We were at a dinner uh, with a bunch of guys. Uh, we showed up at the restaurant, and there was Alexi Ash and a Mark Gandler. Well, halfway through the dinner, I just ever met Mark. He came up to me, uh, asked if I he could have a minute of my time. Uh, pulled me away from the dinner table. And he said, hey, I've just been watching you play. And, uh, you know, I represent players over to in the KHL. I think I get you a lot of money and in a good spot. Like, would you be interested in doing that? 
and it kind of took me off guard and it just, you know, but it, it started the, the conversations of, you know, what I want to do. And, um, so because of my playing career and because I had traveled over a bunch of teams and I started to have a family at this point, I actually wanted to consider it. Uh, I would have been 30, I guess what, 32 at the time, something like that. Um, tried to get a deal with Ottawa in the summer. I wanted to stay home. We couldn't make that work. So I decided to take, to take the offer over, over in Russia. So that's how I ended up in, in Yaroslav, but tried to get a deal done with the Sens. So yeah. coming back for a circle, things didn't work out in Russia. I wasn't, I didn't love it. I tried to bring my, my wife and my two boys at the time over there. Uh, like we talked about before the show, both my boys uh, became a little bit ill. Uh, I just didn't like the, uh, uh, the medicine over there, the, the care that they were getting. So my wife and my boys came home and I told them when they left, I'd be following you very shortly. So happened to circle back with the Sens uh, at the time. I think there were seven or eight games into the season. Uh, had to clear waivers through the entire NHL. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to do so. And then ended up coming home for my last year in the NHL, which was, uh, which was very special. Hey, Roby, how does that work? Um, I'm trying to remember, the KHL, so they, they don't, uh, like, do they have to sign off on you, or do you have a clause in your contract that said you could get out of it at any time? Uh, so at the time, Yorkie, I don't believe I had a clause. Uh, we just came to a mutual agreement. Uh, yeah. I, actually gave them, I actually gave them some money back to help, to help me get back and try to amend the uh, you know, the relationship is, is uh, yeah. as best as possible because if you look at it on their side, I mean, you know, they're losing an import, right? That they invested some money and some time in. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, it just was kind of unfortunate, and, uh, but it gave me a chance, chance to come home. But they were, they were good. They were understanding, but there was some transactions and some paperwork to get the, to get the full release <laughs> at the time. Because yeah. the reason I asked that, because when I went over to play in Lugano, mm-hmm. um, I had an out clause in my contract till November and St. Louis offered me a contract and I said, well, I'm going back. And I told Lugano and they said, well, it was after November. We're not letting you go. So I said, well, I'm going home then. (laughs) So I went home and the GM calls me. He's like, how you doing? How's home? You having a nice visit? You coming back soon? I'm like, no, I'm not coming back. And it's okay. I'll call you in a couple days. And they wouldn't sign off. Um, no. And, uh, so anyhow, I ended up having to go back, but it was uh, probably should have stayed there too. That's where I belonged. I had no business being in the NHL anymore. But no, that's why I was asking the question that you're able to to get out of that because yeah, they wouldn't let me out of mine. Okay, so yeah, I, I didn't have any any of that clause. I thought when I actually when I signed a deal in Russia, I thought I was done with the NHL and not coming back. So I didn't really worry about it at that time. Uh, but like I said, we. Was the deal done in a black sedan in an alleyway? <laughs> to be honest with you, you're not you're not far off. Uh, <laughs> but when, when I went there in the summer, before I actually committed to go there, to, just to check it out, because I'd never been to Russia, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Uh, I had to get set up with a bank account and all that kind of stuff, and you fly into Moscow. It was a five-hour drive to Yaroslav. There was a car that picked me up and my agent at the time had scheduled for me to meet some bankers in between Moscow and Yaroslav. So we literally pulled off the highway to your point in a black sedan, uh, <laughs> SUV 
and these bankers came in, two bankers came into the vehicle while we uh, did some paperwork and got me set up with a bank account. And I got to be honest with you guys, like I almost like it was right out of, right out of the movies. Like I, I can't tell, I can't describe it any, any different. It was, uh, it was <laughs> so disturbing good. to be honest with you. Like I didn't know what I was getting myself into. And, but I mean, I don't know if you guys spend every time in Russia, but that's, that's just the way they do things there. You know what I mean? Yep. And it's just a lot, a lot different than what, what we do it here. Um, but it was, uh, Definitely, uh, definitely experience. Ruby, were you in, were you in the front seat or the back seat? Were the guys sitting behind you? Were you getting ready to get choked or something? <laughs> we're, we're doing business in the back, Yorkie. But I, I, I'm, I'm looking around all the time, you know, head on a swivel, right? Like, uh, so. <laughs> did you? Hey, was, uh, crazy. that that reminds me. You've heard, you guys both have heard the story about Freddie Brathwaite, right? When he, when he got pulled over. Well, I, did he not used to put the checks in his goalie pads so he knew where they were? No, he got okay. This is a quick one. So Freddie Brathwaite is over playing in Russia like you were, and he said after a game he was driving home, he got pulled over by the cops, and they just motioned for him to come in the car, and then they started driving away with him in the back seat. He didn't know what <laughs> he didn't know what to do, so he got on the phone and called one of his teammates, Ruslan Saleh, who, who spoke Russian, obviously. And Rusty said, here, pass, pass, pass the phone to the cops. Passes the phone to the cops. They talk blah, blah, talk Russian, puts it back to Freddie. And he's like, all right, give him $500 and I'll let you go. <laughs> no word of a lie. So wild. Gives him 500 Not only did they let him go, they brought him back to his car, shook his hand. Have a great <laughs> night. See you later. The same thing happened to me. I have the exact same story. But I, Come on. I call yeah, I got pulled over for some traffic violation. I, I, still, I, I have no idea what it is. Coming out of my apartment, the same route I went every day to the rink, and I got pulled over and obviously don't understand uh, what's going on, so I had to call Alexi Yashin. Same thing. Gave the phone to the police officer. He talked to Yashin. Uh, Yash gave me the phone back, and he, and he said the exact same thing. He said, just leave him some money and I'll let you go. So I went to hand, hand the police officer the bills, the money. I don't remember how much it was in rubles, probably yeah. around $500. Uh, and he didn't, he didn't want to take it from my hand directly. So he had this little billy stick, right? And he taps it on the dash. Oh, my God. I'm like looking at him. I'm like, he taps his billy stick on the dash again. So I'm like, okay. So I guess I'm putting the money on the dash. So. It's not a hand-to-hand transfer. I don't know why this made a difference. But as soon as I put it on the dash, he grabbed it, and he closed the door, and then I was on my way. So they have the exact went. same yeah. story. So they're, they're yeah. just looking for people like me to, to grab some extra cash. Crazy. Off you go. A little, tr- little business yeah. transaction for the day, and exactly. on, on with your day you go. Exactly. I, I got to do uh, World Juniors in UFA. And then I did uh, world championships in Belarus and I've seen some of that stuff. So I remember the consulate from uh, Canada in Belarus goes, they know exactly everything you're doing every second of the day. They are following you. And then we had like somebody would come to my hotel room like seven times a day. Do you need water? Do you need mints? Do you want some chocolates? They just wanted to see what we were doing. Yeah. Anyway, interesting time. Okay. Uh, We haven't even got to Ottawa yet. I apologize. Randy is, Okay. What's it like to play for your hometown team? Your first NHL goal is assisted. Or first NHL goal. Your first goal with the Sens is assisted by Alfie, if I'm not mistaken. If not your first two, you're playing with Danny Heatley and Jason Spezza, known as the best line in hockey at the time. Uh, can you take me through this? 
definitely a, a special time in my career in my life. Something I'll ne- I'll never forget. Uh, one of the greatest things about that it was you know they were just coming off the Stanley Cup run the year before, right? So team was really good. Lots of buzz around the city. So for me to be able to come in and try to be a part of that at that time was uh extremely special i was extremely grateful um like i said i started the year over in russia so i'd missed the beginning of the season i think when i got to ottawa at the time i think they were seven and oh or seven and one or something like that so uh, to be a part of a, a, such a group like that was uh was Sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, I got a chance to play with Alfie and Heater there early. Uh, and like you said, uh, Alfie set up both my first goals with the Sens. I think it was against uh, Atlanta. Um, and we had uh, we had a good run there for a while. Obviously, uh, towards the back half of the season, we started to, to tail off a little bit. Heater separated his shoulder. Um, you know, goaltending was hot and cold. And uh, Brian McGratton was getting in fights with Ray Emery in practice and, you know, uh, John Paddock was fired. Brian Murray came yes. in and we ended up by getting swept with the Penguins. So it wasn't the storybook, uh, sort of season that, uh, in Stanley cup run that we were hoping for that year, but definitely a special time to be a part of, like I said, the buzz around the, the city at that time, uh, and what was going on with the team and the club at that time was definitely special to be a part of. Like so bizarre to me here. I- that you guys start 15 and two, I think set the NHL record for uh, most points through the 17 games or something like this. Uh, my assignment desk wants me to start comparing this team to like the 76 Canadians, which had, I think 11 hall of famers on it or something. I was like, okay, we got to pump the brakes a little John Paddock coaches in the all-star game and is fired by the end of the year. And like what happened with John Paddock that ultimately led to his demise just one uh, 60 games in or if i don't even know if he lasted he went 36 22 and 6 when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at blue you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online choose your diamond and setting when you found the one you'll get it delivered right to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Yeah, 
to be honest with you, I don't know if it was a John Paddock thing. Like he, he, he was great to be honest with you. Um, I remember a home game we played. I don't know the date on it, but we were the best team in the East. Uh, Detroit Red Wings came in to play us, uh, and they were the the top team in the West. So it was kind of like you know, you know, two two of the top teams going at it. We ended up by winning the game, but Danny Heatley separated his shoulder uh, that game, so he missed the next. I don't know, it was six, seven weeks or, or whatever it was. And to be honest with you guys, like uh, he was such a big part of the team and the nucle- nucleus and uh, that kind of started a, a little bit of a skid skid for the, for our team. Um, we were deep. I don't, I don't know what exactly, I can't put a finger on it. What, what the exact problem was uh, Martin Gerber, Ray Emery were our goaltenders. Uh, they were yeah. hot and cold, um, you know, so I don't really know what, what it was, but we, we just, just we were on a very inconsistent um, for the back half of the season, and it seemed like Brian just had to had to make a change. I mean, this is a team that went to the Stanley Cup Finals the year before, and this is a team that we were supposed to kind of do it again. And so, yeah, it it was Sorry. it was an odd time. Um, yeah. January thirteenth, yeah. I think, is the okay. date. Uh, yeah. New Jersey, an overtime loss. Um, okay. So I guess for you, uh, we always ask this question. Here you are a lot later in your career. You've played a lot of teams, but now you're getting to play if you're a hometown team. Um, was there a, was it a special time for you to go into the room the first time to, to see the game jersey hanging there? It, it definitely was. Like I – I, like I told you guys before, I, I tried to uh, get a deal done with Brian to, to go to go to Ottawa in, in the summer. It, it, it didn't happen, so very disappointed. So when I got the opportunity in October to come back, uh, I was extremely excited. Um, you know, I mean, Ottawa. I was sorry to say this. I was a big, huge Montreal Canadiens fan growing up, and we didn't have a team here in Ottawa, right? Yeah. My dad was a big Hab, Hab fan. He, he would go to a couple games a year. Um, but like I said, during that time, you know, starting from the early 2000s all the way through uh, to maybe what 2010, the Sens were 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 a strong team, one of the strongest teams in the NHL. So to be a part of that, coming home, playing in front of family and friends, I mean, Yorkie uh, experienced that as well. I uh, can tell you all about it. Uh, definitely a special time, and to be a part of that group and go into the locker room and you know see uh, see your jersey there and. Uh, it was it was definitely a special a special time for sure. And Roby, I, I remember because I was I was doing a little bit of media stuff back then, so I watched a lot of the games. You had a couple, you had some good runs. Like you would, they would elevate you. And I always thought you you had some pretty good chemistry. You got a chance to play with Alfie a little bit. Um, whenever you got an opportunity, you seemed to put up some numbers. You had the, you had the white boots back then too, didn't you? I'm trying to remember. Did you have the old? I think they're more. I think they're more, I think they're more silver than white. But yeah, hey, you had the you had the white Nikes going, didn't you? But I remember uh, I you had have, you had some good runs though. Like when uh, like they'd put you up and down the lineup. Whenever you got a chance to play up, you'd always produce. I mean, I, I had I had some good I had some good games. I mean, I wasn't always the the most consistent. It's as you know, Yorkie being a player, confidence is uh, is a big part of. Uh, your success or your or not having success uh, at this level. Um, there was times playing with those guys I felt really good, and obviously when you're playing with uh, you know the likes of an Alfie or a Spez or a Heater, uh, you're also going to be out there quite a bit, right? So it definitely makes the game easier. Um, I just struggled a little bit, I guess, with confidence and 
Um, you know, I always felt uh, if I didn't, you know, if I didn't perform that night, I wasn't going to be there the next night, you know, so it's a, it's always a mindset battle. It's, it's difficult, but definitely enjoyed my time playing, uh, getting an opportunity to play with some of those guys. Um, wish it could have lasted, uh, lasted longer and I wish I could have had some more success, but definitely uh, experienced some, some good times in Ottawa for sure. Who's, who's, who's beating who on the golf course right now? If you're having a game, you or Alfie. No doubt about it, Alfie. Oh, he's beat because there there oh, was a time there was a time when you were playing some pretty good golf. We Alfie and I had a had a pretty good match uh, actually that year in Ottawa when I was playing still playing a lot of golf. Uh, kids weren't old enough, so I still had lots of time to do that. We we played in Florida. We had a day off. Uh, I beat him up pretty good that day. Uh, had a good run, but we played we played a couple of times over the last couple of years. I just haven't been in a position to golf very much, Yorkie. I know you're going to – I know we we, uh, we texted uh, yesterday about getting together and golfing and how many strokes you're going to give me. Uh, I'm just really not golfing that much these days, to be honest Come on, bud. So, definitely, definitely Alfie uh, all day long. We played a couple times over the last couple of years, and he's still, he's still pretty good. Yeah, yeah, he's taking lots of lessons now, I hear. Lots of lessons. Lessons, lessons he's – yeah, I mean, you're a member of the Lodge. Royal now, Yorkie? Are you, are you at the Royal? I'm feeling you out here for the member guest. I'm, you're a ringer. <laughs> yeah. Let me know what it is. Give, give me some time to work on my short game before you call me out. <laughs> um, is, he, is, is Daniel Alfredson the most competitive person you've ever played with or like have known? Uh, he's definitely up there. There's no, there's no question. That's why I think we get along so well. I mean, I'm, I'm competitive. I like to, uh, you know, grind away at guys in, at different sports, whether it's uh, on the ice or golf or ping pong. I mean, me and Alfie's had some, uh, had some good ping pong matches as well, some golf matches. Uh, so, but yeah, he's what well, he's into the pickleball now. What is he? Yeah. Tennis. He's, paddle. Uh, paddle. Paddle, paddle ball, yeah. So he's he's into all sorts of stuff. We actually coached together, uh, uh, not this past season, but the season before in in Pembroke in U18. Our boys were playing on there, so uh, we'd actually get out in the ice and before practice, we'd try to play hit crossbars or just do something like we're we're both kind of the same that way. Uh, we like to we like to you know dive into some competitive sports and stuff. But he's definitely up there as, as one of the most competitive uh, players or people that, that I know, but he's, he's good at everything. So uh, I'd, I'd be the same, I'd be the same way. We, I'll tell you guys a quick story. I told you this before, Wally, uh, you remember the Ottawa Lynx, Roby. So they brought us out for batting practice. I'm going back to like late nineties for batting practice. Just some of the sends there was reds, Alfie, myself, um, Alfie had never played baseball. So he gets up to bat He's holding the bat with his, with his hands separated. Misses the first couple. Third pitch, hits it over the fence. Never played baseball. That's Daniel Alperton. <laughs> crazy, isn't it? I put it two over. I put two over myself, uh, Roby. Yeah. Uh, Alfie, by the way, still suspended from coaching. Um, the... Uh, have you ever yeah. faced Daniel Alfredson playing ping pong when he doesn't have a shirt on? Does that mean like he's dead serious? Uh, I believe he had his shirt on, but I'll be honest with you. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a decent ping pong player. I don't play a lot, but I'm a decent player. Uh, he beat me with both hands. 
You know what I mean? Like he doesn't. Yeah. Like it's, it's crazy. Like he, you know, I don't. I don't even get get this guy how he does it. But uh, no, he's 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 competitive. Yeah, sure. So good. All right, I want to move yeah. on to the draft because one of the reasons I wanted to have you on was talk about being an agent and we're talking about Russia. In. It's the Russia oh. stories are too good. Yes, that's the problem here. Um, how busy a week is this for you? And by the way. Um, little bit of uh, anniversary for you it is uh on this date in 2018 the dallas draft uh began with uh, the first round and that means uh in ottawa brady kachuk was selected uh so for you randy just like you you have great clients um what is it like leading up to this week for guys who are protect potentially like brand clark who went in the first round um do you talk to them much are you leaving them alone how how does this go uh, no, you're definitely talking with the with your draft eligibles uh, quite a bit. Uh, not just leading up to the draft, but you know it's it, it, it's a it's a year it's a year long process. Like these guys are getting evaluated as as soon as game one starts. You know if they're playing in the OHL or college, uh, and they're do, going through interviews and calls throughout the entire year. So you're always uh, talking with them, keeping them informed. Uh, jotting down notes, making lists of what teams are contacting them, who they spoke to, um, just keep me a running log. So, you know, it all leads up to up to next week, obviously. Um, but it seems like a, young, a, a long year. Uh, these guys are 17, 18 years old. They're curious. They're, they're wanting information. They're, they want to hear all the teams that are interested in them and what it looks like and speculating and where they think they may be going and where they may be landing and, obviously information that is very tough to um, to give them at that time. So uh, it all kind of leads up to the combine uh, a couple of weeks ago in Buffalo. Uh, I was down there for a night, uh, had a couple of clients there, went out for dinner. So what happens when these players check into the hotel at the combine in Buffalo, um, the league invites sort of the top 100, 100 kids, uh, prospects eligible. Each player checks into their room, and when they check in, they get an envelope, and that envelope gives them their schedule. Uh, with their testing times and what they're doing and all the teams that the NHL teams that they're meeting with uh, throughout the week in Buffalo. So what I do is I tell my, my, my players that are there to take a, take a picture, send me a picture of that, of that page. It shows me all the teams that are meeting with them again at the combine. Uh, and then I will follow up with all those teams before the draft to try to get as much information as I can for the player leading, leading into the draft. So I can educate them on kind of, uh, not exactly what to expect because, as you guys know, it's a draft and crazy things happen. Uh, but try to give them, as best I can, an idea of um, you know where I think this might end up for them and how this is going to work. So well, you got you uh, got yeah. like you said, Rob. You got a young young kid going in there getting grilled with questions. What's what's the best advice you like? The one thing you'll say to this to one of your clients to to do when you go in with them? That's a lot of stress, right? It definitely is. Uh, I try to, you know, as a group, I have some partners as well that have been in the business for 30, 35 years. Uh, we have a string of list of questions um, that we send the guys just so they can have a look at to um, just get them, you know, comfortable with some of the types of questions that they could be asked. Uh, Sorry, broke up again. Um, I find, you know, a lot of guys try to prep their clients on what to say and how to say it. 
you yeah. know, and I find, I think it's better to just be yourself. And why yeah. I say that is because yeah. when a team drafts you, then they know, they know what player they're getting. They know what kid they're getting. And that's why they drafted you. I personally think that gives that player a better opportunity to succeed because that team drafted them despite any flaws that they may had, you know, they like, they like the rawness. They like exactly. the, that the player isn't, isn't polished. Like these kids are 18 years old. They shouldn't be polished. You know, they shouldn't, mm-hmm. you know, 98% of the guys that are drafted next week are going to be back to their junior clubs or back to their European clubs or back to college. You know, there's only going to be one or two of them that separate in the NHL. So these drafts are for guys that are going to be playing hopefully for that team in three, four, five, six years from now. So they're not a finished product. Right. So, it's nice for them to be open and honest and uh, show their immaturity a little bit. I think it actually helps them. Mm-hmm. When you're prepping your clients, do you ask them a bunch of dumb questions too? Because they have that always weird question that someone's coming up with. Uh, so there was a question one of my clients got asked, uh, I think in 2019, was if you could take, what was it? What was the question? If you could take a pill right now that means you – that would guarantee you're going to win the Stanley cup, but you're going to die at 55. Would you take it? Oh, <laughs> that's a tough uh, one. That, that was the question, you know? And, uh, I think the, the player said as much as I'd love to win a Stanley cup, like, you know, I, I do, I do, I do like my health and, you know, so, um, I would definitely put that ahead of it. But, uh, going back to the Russia stories, the, uh, the guy that was doing the interview said, uh, Oh, that's good because uh, some of the Russians would say, "Yeah, I'll take two of those pills and give me one for my buddy." (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting, Uh, and it's tough to ask eighteen-year-old kids these kinds of questions, right? Um, Yeah, yeah. So another, there, there, yeah. There's sorry. I'll just say that really quick. There's another story where if you're on the bus in junior and you're underage, and the captain brings you back to the bus and says, you know, here's a couple, here's, here's five beers. You got 40, you know, you got half an hour. Like, uh, what do you do? You know what I mean? Like just questions, putting these guys in situations of, you know, you got a tough decision to make here. You got some teammates wanting to do stuff. You're underage. You shouldn't be drinking, you know, you know, so how, how do you, how do you kind of answer this? So these are some of the questions that I give my clients not to answer to me, but just an understanding of what potentially could, uh, could be out there for you. You know, yeah. that's a, that's a tough one. You're back there. You want the cap that you want to fit in. You want them to like you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, yeah. what are you doing with that? Pretend you drink it and like and pour a little bit out or something. What do you, what do, you do? Right. Hey? What do you do? You got to think about that one. Hey, Yorkie, you probably chug the pint. Hey, Yorkie. Well, you, you got it. At least one. Yeah. Well, if back in Yorkie's day, he would have already been cracking one probably. Wow. When you're older, of course. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so you have uh, Jack Quinn went eighth overall at Buffalo. Uh, Brent, I want to show uh, the Brant Clark video in a sec here, Randy, because this to me, I'm going to say what feels better watching one of your clients get drafted like this or scoring a hat trick in the National Hockey League. My guess is it might be this, but um, just roll the video, Gavin. And, and I just want people to experience the it. LA Kings the- are proud to select. From the Barry Colts of the OHL, Brant Clark. <laughs> That's our fourth D-man in eight selections. Look at Brant. He cannot believe it. We kind of had him slotted here, Sam. You thought this was the organization for this right-handed shooting defenseman. How- if you look at Chris Boone, the gentleman who just made the pick, he lives in the Ottawa area. Okay, how awesome is that feeling? 
Um, it's one of the best in the, in, in, in what I do in, in, in the business. Like we, you know, we're, we're trying to get guys to the NHL and that's a, that's a big part of it. Um, it's unfortunate that it was a COVID draft like Jack. I mean, Jack goes eighth overall, Brant goes eighth overall the year before. I mean, and they're not there to experience the full, you know, the full on down to the stage and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So they missed out a little bit on that, but to see, to see these guys, you know, go through, you know, I'm, I'm working with these guys. I'm embarrassed to say, but like they're 14, they're 14 and 15 years old. And we start, you know, talking and, you know, starting to build that relationship. So, you know, there's, there's four, three, four, five years uh, prior to what you're seeing there on the draft. So um, to see that was, you know, I'm, I'm just off to the side. You can't see me on the camera, but we had, we, we had a draft party at Brant uh, at uh, the happy fish on Elgin. Uh, who, who provided a great environment for us, uh, an opportunity to have lots of friends and family. But, uh, I mean, you saw the emotion on, uh, on not just Brant's uh, face, and, uh, but the whole, the whole entire family. Um, to be a part of that and to know that, you know, I helped uh, in some way, you know, uh, create that path for him to get there it was extremely gratifying. And uh, it was definitely um, uh, amazing to be a part of and experience that with, with, with the family. That's that's a dream come true for uh, for these players, and it's a, it's the start of uh, hopefully, which is a, a long career. And I meant to point out, uh, Graham Clark is in that, uh, but he's the the brother that's super excited, also drafted by the New Jersey yeah. Devils, another one of your clients. Um, so here's a, the flip side of that, and you know, Randy, because you're in the U18 league and and that stuff in Ottawa. Uh, kids are getting their all their hopes are, I guess being poured into trying to get drafted and everything you went undrafted. Can you talk like, what do you say to the kids who think that everything is coming to an end? Cause they don't get drafted. How do you explain to tell them, just keep working. This isn't the end of the road. I think you, you, think you just said it. I know it's not like they, they don't, they, you know, they probably don't want to hear it. You know, all they see is the draft and you know, they don't understand. They don't understand. Like there's lots of ways to skin the cat. There's lots of ways to get there. I mean, I think you've seen uh, now uh, more than ever, like, you know, second and third year draft eligibles getting drafted. So just because you're not getting drafted as a first year eligible doesn't mean good things aren't on the horizon for you, you know? Um, so the message is let's stay with it, you know, um, let's continue to work. Let's continue to develop. Even my guys that are drafted, like uh, I, I, I'm not afraid to remind them, like, look at, look at the history. Like just cause you're a first round pick or a second round pick or because you're drafted, that does not mean you're going to be a national. You're not going to be a player in the National Hockey League. You know what I mean? So uh, continue to work. It's definitely a good start, um, but the work the work is just beginning. You know, so a big part of what I do, guys, is trying to make sure that I provide the right development tools so these guys can continue to get better. You know, whether it's off ice workouts, uh, scheduling, um, you know, skating sessions or skill sessions uh, throughout the off season to get these guys better because that's what I'm in the business for is to get, to try to get these guys to the NHL. And the only way to do that is when they keep improving because it's very yeah. competitive. And I'll say just cause I know Randy doesn't want to toot his own horn, but he spends a lot of time with his clients, like doing stuff that let's yep. skill development talking and like it, it's going the extra mile and it's uh, some people do it. Some people don't, but it's those little things that make a difference for the families. Absolutely. Uh, and of course, he's always at Tony Greco's. Um, <laughs> I, I'll make this quick. There is no right path, correct? Unless you're I'll say a high end first round, Brant Clark, Jack Quinn, even still. But there, there's so much out there. And especially when you look at the U.S. and how many different leagues, like, can you 
people just think there's only one way and that's the CHL to get to the NHL. But it seems now there's a lot more and you just have to navigate whatever you think is best for you. Exactly. Exactly. I would say 99% of the kids growing up here in Ontario, they see, they see the OHL, you know, whether, you know, the yeah. guys in, in out West would see the WHL or the guys in Quebec would see the Quebec major junior hockey league as their only path. But as they get to a certain age, you know, 15, 16, you know, there's an OHL draft there, depending on how, how that looks for, for the player, whether you're able to play in the league at 16 starts to open up uh, conversations in my world to, no, no, there's other things, you know, south of the border, you know, yeah. uh, U.S. prep schools um, are, are a big component, uh, the USHL, big component, um, educating these players and families on there is another path, and it's a great path, which is, uh, with it, which is the NCAA. Um, and I'm fortunate enough to have partners out of the U.S., which gives us a good balance of kids that wanting to go to the U.S. Uh, we have those connections, college or you know, me being here in Ontario, um, having the opportunity to get these kids through the, through the OHL. So there isn't one path. There's lots of different paths and everyone's on a different path at different times. So, um, like I said, just going back to staying with it and continuing to get better. Uh, one of my jobs is to make sure as I help create a path for them. Uh, by the way, my kid needs some representation. I just want to throw it out there. Um, (laughs) quickly, I see edge sport, uh, edge sports management, uh, on your client list has Travis Konechny and Tom Wilson, two players Ottawa fans would really like to see in Ottawa. I just want to mention it. If there's ever a chance, just throwing it out there. You don't have to comment. We would like to see Tom Wilson here at Yorkie and I, okay? Um, mm-hmm. Finally, I promised uh, we would talk about Yorkie's bingo. Uh, Gavin, can you just roll this video, please? And then... Uh, oh, the bingo. I, yeah, this is what Yorkie's new job... He's moonlighting now. He needs a second income. Big money and bingo. Big money and bingo. <laughs> it doesn't and pickleball. Okay. Yeah, I, okay. We'll watch it next I, time. Okay. Um, I, I Anyway, we'll get to bingo later. You, uh, Randy, I, I appreciate your time. Um, it's been a lot of fun. I've enjoyed it. Uh, you've got lots to uh, to talk to and, and a busy week for you. So I'm looking forward to seeing how things work out for you yeah, uh, yeah. and all your clients this week. Thank you for your time. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, awesome. Roby. We'll talk soon. Thanks, there goes Randy Robitaille, uh, player agent from Edge Sports Media. Uh, sorry, Edge Sports Management. Um, just a, a good dude. I, like our kids played against each other all year. Our kids work out yeah. together with uh, Chris good, Schwartz. good, good, just, good, good, good guy, Wally. Yeah. And like yeah. I said, uh, he a humble guy. Like he spends a lot of time with the kids in his stable, like doing stuff off ice, on ice. And he's, you know what, a lot of experience, been to, we, we listed off all his careers. But he, he, there's a thing, you and I were talking about this before the show about Randy. He's a really, really talented player. And, yeah. you know, it's had a great career, but it's so dependent on right place, right time. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, lots of time for Roby. Great, uh, great Russia stories as well. Oh, see, and that's it, like. I wish he actually didn't do so much stuff because I wanted just to talk about the playing career, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I think now we'll have to get him back on. Cause I think now is the time just to talk about the draft and all the stuff that's happening. Um, For sure. I still had other questions. I wanted him to see if he could not remember all the numbers he's worn in the national hockey league. Uh, <laughs> that is my trivia question, but uh, maybe next time uh, Yorkie, I know uh, the golf course is calling for you. So uh playing in a chair. Go. I, I, I got to go to the Canadian today. I'm playing in a charity event. Oh. Uh, so got to uh, get on the road soon. Fair enough. We'll leave the Hall of Fame chat for another day. 
Okay. Uh, we'll see you, uh, Yorkie. Take care, my friend. Uh, everybody, see you, everybody. Thanks for watching. Coming in hot is brought to you by Botano.ca. Please hit that like button and subscribe to our channel to never miss an episode. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.